This week on Reliving the Extreme, we are discussing the episode of ECW from November the 22nd, 1994. Yeah, we skipped a couple of weeks, everybody. Um, last week we did November to Remember. And then the two ECW shows, TV shows preceding that, uh, had no new stuff. It was all stuff from November to Remember. There were some promos or what have you, but nothing uh, nothing uh, substantial. So we skipped to November 22nd, 94. I watched them anyway, man, and I totally I, agree. Yeah, I, I mean, I, just, I, sk- I skimmed them to see if there was anything worth <laughs> worth discussing, but really there wasn't, that we hadn't already discussed anyway. No, I mean, how dumb Sandman, I mean, you know, just everything. <laughs> it's just, yeah, we already went through all this, the recaps of all that nonsense. Let's get to some fresh shit, man. No need, no need to relive it again. <laughs> we already relived it once. Yeah. Put a line. <laughs> right. There's no other words to the song, dude. <laughs> it's just put a line. The guy plays the Casio keyboard for seven and a half minutes. Put a line. <laughs> well, we'll see if this episode we'll see if this episode gets taken down for a copyright violation. <laughs> he looks like Jimmy Garvin. <laughs> Do you think Toto's really going to fucking go out of the way? I got a warning. I got a warning because we used that audio with Tommy Cairo. <laughs> the guy singing like some, somebody the guy singing w- looks like Jimmy Garvin. <laughs> Gorgeous Jimmy Garvin? Yeah. Or the my auto mechanic Jimmy Garvin? <laughs> Both. <laughs> oh. Was it with the hair or without the hair? <laughs> it looks like Jimmy Garvin wearing a Jimmy Garvin wig. <laughs> Do it Jimmy Garvin? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so basically what you're saying right out of the shotgun is he already put a hat on a hat. <laughs> Toe the line, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he, towed, he towed the line. I guess. I guess. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, for those of you that might get to listen to this show, we'll see. We'll see if I get a copyright violation, and then we'll. Uh, I'll play. I'll. I'll, I'll <laughs> How can I'll, you get a copyright violation from Toe the line? <laughs> You'd be surprised. Like, you know what? No, you can you can play the song. You can you can feel that. I played Toe the Line. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, and they're gonna go. No, it's that's Toto. You're like I don't give a shit who it is. It's still fucking. <laughs> it's it's still Toe the Line. When there's a dull in the show, I'm just gonna play it. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you still have the you still have the fucking. You still have to convince what seven out of a jury <laughs> that it's the same song? No, it's not. It's, it's not. It's, it's just Aaron playing it on his porch. Yeah, I mean Aaron on the porch playing his guitar. <laughs> so before we, before we go we'll get into this nonsense, before we get into the nonsense of ECW, which I actually didn't mind the show, but we'll get to that when we get to it. Let's do a paragraph here of Chad Austin's Wikipedia. We didn't do it last week because we were talking November to remember. And I knew that was going to take forever, but all right. 
So the next the next section is Maryland <coughs> Championship Wrestling, 2000 to 2003. The first paragraph, or the first sentence, in early 2000, Slavinsky started, tra- started wrestling for Maryland Championship Wrestling. On January 19, 2000, he teamed with wise guy Jimmy Cicero in a match for the then-vacant MCW Tag Championships and lost, lost to the Holy Rollers, Earl the Pearl and Rich Myers, is who they were, in a three-way dance with the Bad Street Boys, Joey Matthews and Christian York in Glen Burnie, Maryland. Wow, that must have been good. Any memories of any of those guys? Jimmy yeah. Cicero is definitely a name that I know, and the and the bad the uh, the bad the Bad Street Boys too. Earl the Pearl, no, no, Earl the Pearl. Oh, Earl, Earl Pearl's the um, he's the glue of this whole match because uh, at that time frame, Earl was like one of the like one of the head trainers from. What used to be Bone MCW School Bone Breakers, mm-hmm. and he was one of the guys that came out of the class that I taught. He was one of our prize students. Earl could work, and, and he had the same problem that I had. You know, wasn't he, he wasn't big enough, and just didn't have the look. And that mustache that he had didn't help him either. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the hell that was going. But I mean, it wasn't a mustache that he was like like grooming. You know, like he was trying to grow out, mm. you know, when he was a, that pre pubescent mustache. Oh, so he had yeah, the, uh, he just looks like, he just looks like a creep. Yeah. It was the mustache that he just never realized that he's ready to start shaving yet. And it was like, all right, enough with that one. Come on. <laughs> but literally that, that kid could work, man. And I bet, I bet at any given time that kid could still work. Yeah. I'm honest to God. I've, I, I, I don't know that I've ever seen. I don't know if I've ever seen him work. I, I mean, I, I think I recognize the name from from maybe like PWI or something once in a while from results, but I don't know if I've ever actually seen the guy. Uh, well, you know, that's. I think that's kind of the reason why I never really made the um like the five hundred because they would rather put guys like Earl to Pearl in there. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, I'd love to hear the reason why I never made a 500. Well, the next time I'm on a Resi show, I'll ask Bob Smith because he wrote it. So, well, when's the next time you're going to be on a that guy? I was on the show last week, and I think I'm going to be on the show probably in another couple months. So, I'll remember to shake down Bob Smith on why he never puts you in the PWI 500. Is the Resi going to tow the line? Let's see here. On April 14th, Chad became the MCW Cruiserweight Champion in Annapolis. By defeating Adam Flash and Quinn Nash in an elimination match. Oof. Uh, I remember working them guys. We said Adam Flash and Quinn Nash. Yes. Quinn was, I think, was, um, at this point, I think he was a bring back. Like, from previous, a couple couple years. Mm -hmm. And Adam was already there, but I think he had a new gimmick. And... To me, the new gimmick—it just—it was—it was—it was a great-looking gimmick, like for TV kind of thing. Because he had like this, you know, this flashy little, you know, singlet and everything that had like a little atom thing around his crotch or whatever. But I was like, all right, well, that's—it looks great, but you're still 177 pounds, right? <laughs> you still gotta do something with it. He didn't toe the line. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. I know what the name of this episode is. No um, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, around, around this time, Chad and kayfabe brother Chip Bowman joined Cicero's heel stable Total Quality Management with MCW tag champions Q-Ball, Q-Ball Carmichael and Dino Devine. 
to the line. The last, the last sentence here. Two weeks later, Chad and Chip joined Cicero in a six-man tag match against King Kong Bundy and the Ghetto Mafia, Two Dope and Sideswipe, in Lusby, Maryland, on April 29th. Is that the night King Kong Bundy broke your couch? <laughs> uh, wh- where's the show at? L- Lubsby, I think is Lus- that. Lusby. All right, Lusby? I got you. Um, there's probably an 85% chance that that was the show. Because if it wasn't that show, that was, that was, if that wasn't the show, it was the night after. Mm. Was that a Friday or Saturday? Friday. Oh, no, it was the next night. I mean, it was, it was the next night that Lennox Lewis fought on pay-per-view. Because, I mean, we had Bundy for what, maybe Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Mm. and then maybe Sunday, maybe even I mean, you can't you can't get um, a star like that for like four hundred fifty bucks a night, right? You, you know, I mean, you know, you, you got to take advantage of that, especially when you're doing sold shows, you know, in front of twelve hundred, whatever, a thousand people, and you're tell and you're getting WWE superstar, yeah, King Kong Bundy, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> he ain't been on TV in. He, the last time he was on TV, didn't he have a penny on his on his? No, it was Nikolai. All right, well, same person. Uh, Bundy was in that faction around the same time, so yeah. I mean, your your dates your date is correct. He left the he was last time he had been in the WWF was ninety five, and this is what we're talking about what two thousand. So five years since he's been on TV. He's a yeah, guy that he's a guy that I always, always wondered. At, what? He always sucked. Who Bundy? Yeah, I was but, a but, Bundy I don't think he always sucked. I think that he always knew his he always knew his role. Yeah, like, I mean, like, listen to like shoot interviews with him and shit. He's funny, and like you said, he knew his role. But just in general, I was just never a big fan. Oh, neither was I. I mean, I I went back and I watched. I mean, not that I've watched him, but I'd watch some old world class and I'd see him there and be like, yeah, there's not a whole lot here. You know what I mean? Mm. I, I he was and. and We'll get into the ECW show then. I know we're getting off the in the weeds on Bundy here, but I always wondered why when the big exodus happened where Hogan went to WCW and, you know, he took Earthquake, he took Kamala, he took all those people from WWF to work with as the Giants for him to pretty much redo his WWF run in WCW, why Bundy never showed up. I wonder why. I wondered always wondered why he never went to WCW. I think Bundy had um I don't want to say underlining heat. I think he had, I don't even, I'm not even sure why she was, I don't know. Like, I mean, do you know that he married like a Chinese woman, like off the internet? I did not know that. Yeah. He got a, he got a female bride like off the internet or whatever. And then she started taking care of like, I mean, this is, this is, this is this is all coming from me, like my like my um you know dealings with Bundy and all them, mm-hmm. because we were on the same shows like for a lot of shows, right? And we had to deal with some fucking Japanese girl all of a sudden that was dealing with Bundy's bookings. It's like Bundy's Yoko Ono. <laughs> Dude, he was he was he, she was Bundy she was Bundy Ono. <laughs> Bundy Ono Yoko Bundy. Yeah, she didn't like. That's that was her gig, and then everybody looked at her like, "Are you in the business?" You know, she's like, "I'm in the King Kong Monday business, bitch." 
Remember, remember the episode of Seinfeld where Seinfeld met um, what Pat Cooper? Yeah, when, when at the Friars Club when he goes, "Are you in the business?" No, it was George. Are you in the business? And he's like, "No." And I go, what are you talking to me for? <laughs> like you're not in the business. I, I ain't dealing with this little fucking this girl. But enough of Bundy. <laughs> Bundy had a little, little, little Chinese wife. Can you imagine that little sex tape? Yeah. Can't see her at all. <laughs> uh, all you, you see her before, but you don't see her after. <laughs> like, this looks like egg drop poop. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. The ECW show that we're reviewing is November 22nd, 1994. Imagine imagine King Kong Bundy fucking oriental tea and bagging his fucking oriental wife. That's gross. I know. Why did you bring it up? I, uh, yeah. I can't even, I, I don't think it ever happened. I bet you it's never happened. Ever, the- ever, ever. I bet you uh, even Wild Bill Trammell can't even pull up a tape of that. I don't know if you know who that is, but. ECW, November 22nd, 1994. Chad, Chad, the only thing he did not break was your couch. I'm sure he broke that woman. Wild Bill Trammell or King Kong Bundy? King Kong Bundy probably broke that Oriental woman. He broke my futon. Well, yeah, and he probably broke. Broke Chuchan or whatever that Oriental lady's name was. <laughs> Chuchan. Oh, Chuchan. Well, we start the show with Hack Myers and Stephen Richards and in Chuchan. the ring. They're going to pick. <laughs> they're going to pick dream partners for this match. Um, as Joey Styles is hyping us that the ECW arena sold out, um, he's looking around like he's there. And you know that's that's the gimmick. But um, the the gist of this is they get to pick dream partners. Stevie Richards picks J.T. Smith, and Hack Myers picks our own Chad Austin to be his tag team partner. No, let's let's not let's not this let's not forget the fact that um it had to be somebody who was already not picked on the show tonight. They made a they made a big deal to say that because if Hack Myers were to just pick me out of anybody in the locker room, then it would have been a lot worse of a boo or a lot less of a nothing than it was. So you got you got to premise it by saying that, right? Yes. They had to pick somebody that wasn't booked already to wrestle. And how the fuck did anybody in ECW arena know who the fuck was already ready to wrestle? It, were they given a lineup? The, it was uh, Chad Austin like five times. It was just Chad Austin and it just said, had a, you know, again, a line next to his name. Like five times. The match itself never gets started as Chad cuts a promo on the ECW crowd. He's not going to wrestle here tonight, and um, he's got a he's got a, a nice big tour bus waiting out back to take anybody who wants to go to go see Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And um, I mean, did it at least get some heat from the ECW crowd, Chad? Oh, well, it did. Yeah, it did because that was the weekend that Smoky Mountain was running literally like less than 20 minutes away. Like Woodbury, New Jersey is literally about, I I mean, there's probably one gas station that separates Woodbury, New Jersey and and the Philadelphia. It's right there because Mm -hmm. we were underneath 95 and all you had to do was get on 95. And then what, 10 minutes later you were in New Jersey and Woodbury is one of the first places you're going to get New Jersey before you get on that 13 mile stretch where there's no exits you know before you get lost 
which is that's, that's not even a that's a shoot like a motherfucker dude you get lost in the jersey turnpike you're you're finished so yeah it was that was a shoot and did you have any like i'm sure you didn't but did you have any kind of legit like blowback from going going to work for Cornette? Well, i don't know what do you think <laughs> i mean you saw the rest of my ecw career yeah you tell me that that was that was the only reason why I was even brought back was because of what I did. Hmm. There was no chance I was getting brought back. As a matter of fact, I mean, didn't we already bring this up on the show before where after I worked for Smoky Mountain, I got home and my mom told me in Knoxville that it was a phone call from a guy named Rob? Yeah. Yeah. That's that. It was that fast. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how before the Internet happened that it happened that fast, but it happened that fast. Like. I want to work for somebody else, but honestly, how the, how the hell was I not supposed to work? You know, how right. was I not supposed to work for somebody else? Uh, I'm 20, what, 24, 25 years old, maybe at the time. And I'm trying to get out there and work as many places as possible and do as much as I can. And then you're telling me that you're going to tell me that I can't work for this guy because I'm working for you. But what am I doing for you? Well, I'm sure I can. I'm, I don't, I'm sure I'm not going out on a limb here saying that. Uh, Paul Heyman never presented you with a contract. <laughs> a contract? Yeah, that's ex- you know you, you, you have no contract. You don't owe you, you don't owe them anything. You can go work wherever the fuck you want. In my opinion. No, I mean, in, in I mean, in Paul's defense, though, without a without a physical contract, um, a handshake to me was always like the way we did business. You know. Mm-hmm. That's the way we did business, but it wasn't until I don't. We're, I mean, we're we're getting there. We're not there yet. I mean, unless there's there's people there that I don't know that that have said contracts, and it's probably Sabu for dates or Benoit for said dates. But there's nobody under contract that they can only work for, you know, ECW. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, it was it was never offered to me. And why, why would it be like Paul's going to be like, you know, we only want you to get choke slammed by 911. <laughs> we're going to do our best to hold you under contract. So you go up and down. But you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> um, as this segment rolls on, as Chad is trying to get people to go to Smoky Mountain on his tour bus, he tries to get Hack Myers to go with him. Um, egg and hack to come on, let's just leave, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, Hack Myers subsequently beats up Chad Austin. Um, think of his life. Where, where did he end up? You're still ground. breathing. When's he going to be on the show? Stevie Richards and JT Smith then wind up um, getting to Chad and pinning him, winning the match. And then after the match, uh, the beatdown by Hack Myers continues. But I mean, again, like we said, Saying you're going to go to Smoky Mountain, at least you got some heat in the in the arena that night. I mean, I think that angle could have been, it could have been a little hotter. It could have got hotter, right? Especially if you could have got maybe a couple of guys that also worked there. Well, you know. not only Smoky Mountain, but me going to Memphis. Mm-hmm. I could have brought in PG-13. I could have brought them in because they were yeah. already there. I could have brought in... Um, Doug, like a Doug Gilbert. I don't know. Yeah, Doug, but Doug was already there. I could have brought in um, what's his name? Um, oh my God, the guy who did the the fucking. He looked like a snowball salesman. Um, 
he was the magician dude. Oh, uh, Spellbinder. Yeah, that could have brought him in. The snowball, the snowballer. Harry Del Rios. I I could have brought any of them fucking goofs in. I mean, I think so, but you know. But anyway, nonetheless, that's just the way that it worked. Is that Paul wasn't going to spend money in bringing them fucking goofs in, and I wasn't worth the time or the effort to do that, you know, for that angle, because he knew that I was that was a short shelf life angle, you know. Mm-hmm. And I did it. I mean, as far as I know, I did it as good as I could. I could have done it. Granted, today. Being as much as I don't give a fuck about life anymore today, that if I, if I would have had to do it again, I could have got a lot more heat back then. But well, the promo from what I saw, the promo was good. It was, but we're still in that in that era where the EC the microphone on, on TV is so hard to hear a lot of the time. You can't make out. But from, from what I made out, intelligent what was what was legible that I could hear. The promo was good, you know. You hit all the key points, and you didn't you didn't miss a beat. So I don't think I don't think any of that was um, honestly. I don't think any of that was Paul. Because if I had to, like if I had to remember promos, that was not probably the best thing for business. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was probably to say, hey, look, just go out there and shit on these people. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, for lack of a better term, you know what I mean. Just go out there and just shit on them, and all right. And then I guess I guess the high spot was what the tour bus. Yeah, like yeah, I well, had a tour bus going to smoke because Smoky Mountain was like literally twenty minutes away. Aaron, your uh, your thoughts on this segment before we move on? I thought it was really good, and Jad did a good job in it, and I liked the. Um, Smoky, the Smoky Mountain aspect of it, and it was like them somewhat shitting on the I want to say minor league company, but like the independent company they were feeling. Yeah, you know but I mean? everybody there knew what Smoky Mountain Wrestling was. Yeah, it, it wasn't like I was I was making up some. I, I wasn't saying. Everybody get on a bus and let's go down to North Georgia wrestling with yeah, Sammy Kent, insider, you know, and the doll. It was an insider angle, and it worked. And it worked with that crowd because they knew what he was talking about, and I enjoyed it. Good. I'm, I'm glad you did because I enjoyed not even remembering of it until I watched it. <laughs> well, up next, we get a promo from Jason with Dean Malenko, who talks about about how he's going to be defending his title in the ring. Then we we go to the ring, obviously, and Todd Gordon comes in as Jason and Malenko are in the ring awaiting two cold Scorpio. And he tells Dean Malenko he has to go. He has to get out of here or Jason will be fired. He'll not have the title anymore. He'll not be allowed to wrestle in ECW anymore. So as what I thought was kind of funny was as Malenko was leaving, the pit bulls were walking out like, like Jason thought he was going to get away with that. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I thought, I thought it was amusing. My My favorite thing was that kid, I showed you guys that. Uh, I sent you guys that clip. That kid going, "You're a greasy pig." See, I, I never, I never got that. So when you texted me that, I was like, well, "I don't know what you're talking about." I thought you were talking about me, just because I went for Jason, a job interview today and I didn't take a shower. Jason is standing in the ring, and a child yells at him, "Shut up, you greasy pig!" And it fucking cracked me up. It was so funny. Well, apparently, it holds water. 
mean, Aaron's holding a grudge about it. Greasy fucking pig. Well, then, of course, like I said, the Pitbulls come out, and um, Gordon also says that they're banned from ringside. And then I guess I jumped the gun because Jason didn't know he was waiting for Two Cold Scorpio because he says, go ahead, bring out Dino Sendoff, bring out Donnie Allen, bring out Chris Canyon. And, of course, Todd Gordon brings out Two Cold Scorpio to face Jason for the TV title. But I thought this whole this little pre-match thing was was fun. It was fine. Um, entertaining. The match was rough. Yeah, the match was rough. <laughs> if, if anything, it towed the line. That's all I can say. It just it, it carried the it carried the show for what we're about to see. I mean, yeah, pretty much. It, that's exactly <laughs> what it did. It, it, it towed the line, and I I, I don't know, man. I, I I always tell you how I always sat with the jobbers and stuff. I never knew what was going on, dude. You know, mm-hmm. I never knew. You go up there and you look for your name on the board and you hope for the best that it's like you against, you know, the better guy. You know, nobody wants to be against Rock and Rebel again. Right. <laughs> you know, or, 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 well, we already seen the last of Tommy C. That's what we'll call him now. Tommy C. <laughs> it's, it's the end of Tommy C. We've seen enough Tommy C. He told the line. <laughs> well, like Aaron said, this match wasn't very good and I didn't understand the. The reason for Scorpio keep to keep letting Jason get up out of the pin. Um, Are we doing a show still? Yes. Two Cold Scorpio beats Jason for the TV title. Um, and he is the world, the, the new ECW television champion. And I have a question here, actually. Um, what did you guys think of that belt? I didn't like that belt without the side plates on it. The TV title? Yeah. That was lame. Well... Honestly, I didn't like any of the belts, but the belts were made out of like fucking plaster, man. <laughs> like even the with no side plates, they were 45, 50 pounds. Jesus. No, they were heavy. So, I mean, the plates were, I mean, they would have had to have been, I don't know, another extra 15 pounds, I guess, seven, seven and a half pounds mm-hmm. a piece to put on there. And that would have been, that's a lot of weight. That belt's that yeah, belt's no not <laughs> that belt's not a that belt ain't something you just throw around like like Shane did. I mean, like Shane, you know how Shane just threw it around. Mm-hmm. I mean, once you get it over your shoulder, yeah, you can throw it off your shoulder. But the whole problem is getting it over your shoulder. Fuck, you realize when you pick it up, but this belt ain't this belt ain't fucking you know ain't garbage. And I would think it would be a if it's that heavy, it would be a pain in the ass even to clip it around your waist. Try to hold it up while you're doing the clips or the snaps, you know. Yeah, that goes that goes back to who the fuck's going to carry it. <laughs> I, I used I used to I used to hate that man when I'd work for a company and then I would win their like said tag team belts or whatever belt that I won, and they would expect me to carry their belt around in this little I don't know what was it a little case that was made out of like not suede, but like, like, wrestling. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Like a little, uh, uh, not a knapsack, but, um, yeah, it's yeah. a, yeah. And they want you to carry it around. I'm like, dude, I don't want to be responsible for this. You know, I don't want to have to carry this thing around. So I never, ever wanted to have a boat ever, unless I was <laughs> wrestling, like in my local town where right. I, could, I could just take it and just 
you know, leave it there and Whipwreck would take it to the next town. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. now. Just one more goddamn thing to lose. Yeah, I mean, or forget. Yeah. Like, I mean, what if I'm packing my fucking suitcase and I'm going to a bought show somewhere where there's, a, you know, 2,000 people and then I'm supposed to be the, the mid-Atlantic heavyweight world champion of the East of the Eastern seaboard or the middle East or whatever. And I don't have a belt to prove it. I mean, the belt could say anything. <laughs> it could say that I was the, I was the Asian Chinese. And I, you know, I won a fucking man versus food challenge. <laughs> it didn't matter. They could have said it was anything. <laughs> Total lie. Next thing on this show. Uh, hang Shane- on, rewind it. Never mind. Shane Douglas defending the ECW title against Jim Powers. Um, Big get the 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 but the, the the note that I have before that is before the match actually starts, they show a promo from Ron Simmons, and it's a good promo. But did anybody else notice that he never mentioned the name the the the, the that he never said ECW in the promo, and he never said Shane <laughs> Douglas's name. It was almost like this was a promo he cut that he could send to any indie promotion. Yeah. I'm going to go out there and beat you tonight. I'm going to go out there and beat you. I want to be the world champion. But he never said ECW. He never said Shane Douglas. It was just interesting to me. It was like that he maybe he, he recorded this promo and he sent it out to any any promotion he was working with at the time. No, that, that was a very good observation. That was a very good observation, Nate, because yeah. go ahead. You have, you have, you have a point, Aaron? No, I was saying Nate made a great valid point on it. Yeah, I mean, um, he was under no contract by anybody mm-hmm. at that point. So he only had limited dates for ECW. And at that point, I don't know if he knew what the end result was, whether he knew he was going to end up putting over Shane or, you know, or whatever. Right. I don't even I don't even know what the end result was. So why would I go out there and put over my opponent? That I that, that I don't even know is going to beat me. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. I can look at it from his. He's Ron Simmons. He's you know, damn. You know, what are you going to fuck with him? <laughs> he's according to him, like he told Flair, he's unfuckable. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know about that point, but maybe a couple of years later, yeah, he was unfuckable. But there, he just, he, he he wasn't going to do what he wasn't going to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't blame him for it. That's not even that's not even a slight on him because what what if I would have said I'm done taking the choke slam, Paul? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You know he's not gonna he, he's not Ron Simmons. He, he's going to go in there and say, you know, this is what we want from you. This is the three month plan. It, it was definitely a three month plan because we're only in we're in we're in December, right? No, yeah, almost December. We're late November, yeah. Okay, so we still got a whole entire month where Ron Simmons was um, a key player, as far as I know, because mm-hmm. I was still there. And he, he just wanted to realize, you know, what's my deal, you know? Right. And that's, is, that, that's didn't that go back to the Blanchard shit? Blanchard is, I believe it goes, it, as far as Douglas going through guys coming into ECW that weren't necessarily ECW guys. I think after Simmons is when he goes into the thing with Blanchard. It's a, it's a couple months away. Yeah, but it, but it's all the same problem, correct? Yes. Why, why am I going to put your champion over if you're not going to put me over and bring me back 
you know, for a run. Well, this is Philadelphia. They don't want to see you for three months. I, I mean, that's that's the truth. That's not anything that you know. You, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what Paulie told him. You know, I have no idea. Right. But what do you what do you think he told? Him? Well, you know, this is what we have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's the way that worked. But next, <laughs> the match between well, Douglas and Jim well, Powers. Oh, see, what I was what I was going to ask was, Chad, like, what do you think a um, Ron Simmons was a Ron Simmons was paid? Oh, what do I think? Yeah, I bet you he was in the fifteen hundred to two thousand dollar range. If that was for one night, I would bet you he would have done maybe seven fifty, like per night, if it was for three nights or two nights. My guess at that time range in nineteen ninety what four, nineteen ninety four. Yeah, that that's about what the that that's about what them guys were were getting back then because you know you had to have been a top top guy, you know, flair esque. Um, guy to be getting you know bread you know it's you're not going to get a guy like that you know what i'm saying right that that's not going to happen i mean oh, the, the best you're going to get is guy that the guy that was there you know in recent memory that you're going to get for you're going to you're going to get 754 you know maybe, maybe i mean ron simmons probably got way more than i'm probably lowballing him cuz yeah, he he's not even at this point, he's not even six months off WCW TV. Yeah, but he's also not a wrestling fan. Right. Yeah, true. True. <laughs> and that that's the kind of thing that like that, that skews the curve about how much you get. Because he might not be in it for the for the love of it. He just wants to do the business. Mm-hmm. And the business is, this is what I need. To come in from Warner Robins, Georgia, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> Fucking Podunk Town, that place is. I saw it on YouTube. It's one of the worst neighborhoods in America. <coughs> well, Shane Douglas beats um, Jim Powers in a pretty basic match here on this show by uh, holding the tights with the, and gets the roll up. He, did you did you ever work with or know Jim Powers, Chad? No, but my question is. What do you think Paul's mindset was by bringing in Jim Powers? And what do you think he was going to get out of Jim Powers? From the crowd and from the work rate. I think it was just a, I think it was just a, he was in Jersey and, or a Jersey era, like a Jersey, I shouldn't say era, like a New York, New Jersey region. And he had him and he used him. Yeah, but. Why didn't he use them before? <laughs> and how how silly does it look? How silly does something like this make the whole? Okay, we've talked about Shane Douglas is challenging Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart. Nobody will come accept his challenge. But Jim Powers so, did. So how silly does he look, or how silly does the company look when it's like none of these guys will come accept the challenge, but Jim Powers will? Like <laughs> the job guy from the WWF, Phil, accept the challenge. Well, I don't I know, think, I, and, and maybe I'm missing the point there, but it do, it just it does. It makes Douglas look stupid. It makes the whole thing look stupid. Well, I think personally, I think that Paul thought pretty much the same thing he thought about Jason, is that he could make the fans forget about you know Jim Powers being a job guy. 
I I believe in my core that I think Paul thought he if, if he can, if he brought him in, he could push him and make the fans forget that he was just the job guy that he was. And then if they didn't, he could run with the idea that he's he's a job guy that people don't think that it, he's not a job guy that everybody thought was. Right. I mean, do you see the idea? Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Because I what? mean, for 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 any good or any for anything good or anything bad you can say about him, Powers had a good look, you know. So I mean, you look at that as a wrestling promoter, and maybe you do think, "Huh, hey, maybe I can do something with this guy." And, and then you I, hear him talk. I, I've or never whatever, heard a but... bad thing about him. Mm-hmm. I've never heard. Of, I mean, me personally, I've never heard a bad thing. But about he wasn't. Him. He wasn't a bad worker. You know, as far as it, 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 he was, he was fairly basic, but he never did anything that stood out to me. But he also never did anything where I went, Jesus Christ, that's terrible. You know, he didn't, he didn't stink or anything. He just, I don't know. Well, to me, it was because he was pigeonholed. Everybody in that arena had seen him do jobs for the last five years on TV. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's where he was delegated to. That's, that is, that's the exact reason why. I never went and did jobs for WCW with Bob Starr. Because you didn't want to get typecast. Yeah, and that's, you will get, you, that's the way it works. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I mean, in, in the, in the 1990s, how many Smoky Mountain wrestlings are you going to catch? Or how many USWAs are you going to get? You know what I mean? Right. You're only going to get so many opportunities to work after you've been on a national TV spotlight platform and you're projected as a job guy. And like, what was his name? Remember the gambler? Oh yeah. Yes. Gambler is my favorite. He is actually my personal favorite WCW jobber. (laughs) Yeah. But he worked. How many outlaw mud show places did he work where he got a push or he was kind of a semi star, you know, because he, he was on TV. Right. I mean, to, to, to a lot of guys, that was like, that meant a lot. To me, it didn't mean shit, honestly. And not even saying like gambler. It's like a, like Jim Powers got put in that fucking, um, like Joey Maggs type cast. You know, what I, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, Joey Maggs lived down the street from me. I didn't even know it. He lived down the street from me and Bob Starr was like, yeah, you know about Joey, about Joey Maggs passing away? And I'm like, what? Like he lives in your neighborhood. I'm like, I don't know, fucking, I don't, I don't know. Who's Joey Max? <laughs> I mean, what is he the guy to just detail my car? <laughs> I guess that five dollar tip wasn't going to help him very much. It, it it made Mag's detailing make all the sense in the world. Yeah, but you understand what I'm saying about yeah. how how perception is everything. Yeah. Once you're once you're typecast like that, you're always going to be typecast like that, and that's the way everybody looked at it. And a lot of them guys didn't matter. Like, look at Dwayne for like, look at Dwayne for for Christ's sake, Dwayne Gill. He made as much money. He made as much money as just say Bill Irwin. He made Bill Irwin money, you know. Yeah. But it was it was a lot more coming from a different era, you know. Right. Yeah. And and it, that that mean I mean what would you do? Say no. What else are you gonna do? Clean beer lines, stock dairy, <laughs> look for a job. No, that's my life. Never mind. Aaron, what did you think of the Powers-Douglas match? I thought it was a very basic match, and they didn't do anything that was um, um, bad or anything. They they just had a basic 
northeastern independent independent match. Yeah, I mean that's what were you gonna do? I mean, are you gonna tell Jim Powers who's used to working strike force and the conquistadors on challenge every week? You know, like we have a whole different concept here. I mean, he was brought in. I'm guessing just for that for that point. I mean, for for lack of a better care, I guess. Yeah, he was easily booked, and it wasn't. He was an easily booked guy for that show, and he wasn't going to have a fucking shit match with Shane. And it wasn't going to be a problem. Yeah, right. Yeah, I see that. And why wouldn't you bring him in? Because he was there for the whole entire weekend. As far as I remember, there's no next, way he brought him in for one night. The next thing we get here is a Paulie promo talking about how when he was a when he was a fan or when he was you know before ECW he would look in the corner or he would look in the locker room and say that's that's the Malenkos that's what wrestling is those guys are wrestlers but now he's talking about because ECW because they keep pushing this this tagline during the show feel the difference feeling the difference of ECW he now knows that the future is Sabu and the Tasmaniac, which leads us to a tag match. It is Sabu and the Tasmaniac against Dean and Joe Malenko. Yeah, I, I don't know how receptive the ECW crowd was live to Joe Malenko as it was to the to the audio on the show. You tell me. What do you think? I think he sold weird. I don't think he knew how to work because I, I have I have I only have like one match on tape from them in Florida as a team and it was from like 1988 89 and you would think that he 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 brought his brother along because he drove him or something you know what i mean yeah it was it it, it was it, i mean I, i'm not being mean that's just the way that it felt it was like all right my brother's here can you just give him a payday you know and what is his credentials he he lived near the Malenko School of Wrestling, you know. They are Dean and Joe to me, uh, to me, and there are going to be there are going to be people that would say that it's blasphemy. Well, it's not on this show. It's blasphemy to shit on Dory Funk, but to me, it's like it's like Terry and Dory. I'll watch Terry all day long. I don't want to watch Dory Funk. I just don't. And and the story, I don't care, 1970, fucking whatever, he was the greatest wrestler in the country, blah, blah. I don't want to watch Dory Funk, but I'll watch Terry all day long. Like, like it's the, it's like, it's like the classic you watch, um, all right, we'll just take, uh, just take Terry and Dory versus Sheik and Abby, all right? Just take that match, for example, from, mm-hmm. from all Japan. Terry's out there, he's punching Abdullah, Abdullah's leaning on the ropes like he always does, and all of a sudden he tags in... Uh, Dory, and then Abby tags in the Sheik or whatever, and the Sheik goes for like uh he goes for like a like an arm bar, <laughs> or you know Dory goes for like an arm bar. And it's like what are you doing? Like the guy's <laughs> mauling your brother. Yeah, right? do you feel the vibe of this match at all? Like he, like he like didn't you didn't you watch? I like to hurt people. He's mauling your brother out there, and you come in, you got to try to give him a hammerlock. It was probably because Marty. It was probably because Marty was outside the ring. Yeah, hammerlock. With this Malenko match, like every time um, Joe would get any kind of bump, he would just kind of like scurry out of the ring. It was just like eh, it, it. It it didn't work, in my opinion. Yeah, and Sabu early in the match or, or halfway through kind of takes Joe to the outside and does the Sabu one man show. 
against Joe. And then they let Taz and Dean work in the ring, which was good stuff. Um, and how good is how good is Dean at like running the ropes and like doing what they call transition spots? Oh, he's one of the top five guys ever to do it. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't he be a guy you wouldn't learn that shit from? Like, because where did he he always where did he always land? Center of the ring. Yeah, right in the middle. And where did he always where did he always position up to? Camera. You know, boom. It was like it wasn't even like he had to tell a guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I don't know if it was Japan thing or or somebody told him, but yeah, like he always he took a, he took a bump in the middle of the ring, which is the safest spot in the ring, and he would always get up right in front of the hard camera and. You know, he would feed. Yeah, he was he was as he was as natural a pro wrestler as Kurt Henning. You know, he was just that he was that good at what he did. I guess he. I mean, I guess that whole entire personality thing just didn't work out for him. Mm-hmm. They said he's funny as shit when the camera's not on, but as soon as the light comes on, well, you know, there's a lot of guys like that. Dreamer, you know, a lot of guys are like that. Me, I, I mean, I made a life, I made a fucking whole entire career out of fucking taking my clothes off on national television. <laughs> you know, what do I give a shit? This, like I said, the match, the match when it was Taz and Malenko in there doing their thing, it was good stuff. Taz winds up pinning Dean after a Tazplex. Aaron, Aaron or Chad, any other observations about the match before we go into the post-match shenanigans? Aaron, go ahead. Well, just that Dean Malenko, in my opinion, is one of the... Um, I know we talked about it a little bit, but he's one of the top 10 best wrestlers that, that have ever existed, in my opinion. Like, like Dean knew exactly what to do when it needed to happen. You know what well, I mean? I, dis- I disagree. I don't even think Dean Malenko is in my top 25,000. It doesn't matter how good you are in the ring. It's how good you are with the crowd. But I think he knew how to work a crowd, too, though. I don't think he did. I think he learned it about 15 minutes into that fucking match. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, you know. match, just says in general, like, D. Malenko is or was, like, a duck to water. Like, he just knew what to do when it happened. I, I don't know. I mean, I I just never like I I'd never seen a crowd go banana for a Dean Malenko <laughs> um, anything, and, and except for we haven't even got there yet. But I, I'm not even sure that's even on the on the that's not even like a huge spot um, on my meter as like huge spot things. But him and Guerrero, that stupid fish at a water spot. Who did who hadn't done that shit twenty five times? <laughs> Dude, I mean, what? Go to a wrestling school. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't see it, Aaron. I'm sorry. Nothing against your opinion at all, because I, I just don't. I just never saw it. Never, never, never saw it. Never, never got it. And it is what it is. And sorry for your luck, Dean Monk. Okay. <laughs> I just, I just think Dean's one of the best goddamn performers I've ever seen in wrestling, in my opinion. Yeah, but. Doesn't transfer in the fucking box office. That's the problem. Yeah, I mean you got you got to do you got to do both. I mean you got you got Hulk Hogan that could do one but couldn't do the other, and you got 
you got um, Bob Backlund that could do one that couldn't do the other, but you got Ric Flair. What could he do? He could do both. Shane Douglas, for a lack of a of, of a lesser extent, he could do both, right? Yeah. In ECW, any in ECW, he could. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm. That's my measuring stick right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going by ECW. He could do ECW and be in, you know, and do WCW and be as fucking corny and, and wear the fucking stupid mask with Ricky, whatever, Dreamboat, whatever tag teams were. Lost, incon- what do they call it? Enchiladas? Uh, I'm blanking on that. What the fuck did they call themselves, Aaron? Lost Sombreros. Was it Lost yes. Sombreros? It was, <laughs> of course, it's WCW. Of course, it's something so pedestrian. It's, it's, it's the cheapest Mexican name you could possibly yeah. give somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one step above calling them the Mexicans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or or the Guerreros. We got we, we we found two more Guerreros. Here's chips and salsa. <laughs> Jeez, <it is. laughs> All right. After this match, um then the, the, the real shit goes down. Jason attacks Polly. 911 comes to the ring, tries to choke slam Jason, doesn't get to do that, but he instead gets to choke slam the pit bulls. And then the public enemy come out, and as the Malenkos work over Taz in the corner, stretching him out, um, the public enemy essentially fucks Sabu up for like five minutes. I thought this was very effective. Um, I thought that this was it, it was it was chaotic, it was energetic. Um in a way, it put everybody involved over because even though Taz is down on the mat with the Malenkos, he eventually breaks away from them and gets to make the save for Taz. I think everybody came out of this end segment looking better and and with a purpose. I don't know what you guys thought, but that was that was my thought on it. I thought I, I liked. Well, I I still think this is the beginning of the um, Sabu Taz build. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you had that little you had that little look, wasn't it? You said it was a little look. Mm-hmm. Like, what what is this guy doing? I'm I'm beating the shit out of these guys, <laughs> and you're over here jumping around like a little Mexican jumping bean, and you know you're a, you're trying to outdo me. Yeah, I, I, that's that's the way I took it. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, I no, definitely. Paulie, Paulie, and in in and they don't wind up having what they don't wind up having a one on one match until '97, right? Um, I know they already had. I know they already had one in the past, but you're definitely right, Chad. Chad or Paulie is looking at these two guys as these guys are the the, the 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 future of my company. Even though I have Douglas, even though I have Dreamer, these two are my two stars. attractions, two stars, and I'm gonna eventually. This is gonna be my big match. This is gonna be what I'm building to, and he builds it for a long time, and he has a lot of patience in doing so. Of course, Sabu coming and going like he did. <laughs> help to help keep Polly's patience, but you're definitely right about that. Well, it was probably the best for business, Sabu coming and going. Because mm-hmm. do you think Sabu would have had the staying power or the, the drawing power? Right. And Cornette says, how can I miss you if you don't go away? All right. Well, I'll take that. If Cornette said it, then it's got to be the gospel. I mean, in my in my book, mm-hmm. um, without Sabu... For just, you know, what do you say, two months or three months? There's no Sabu. And then every show, what are you going to have? Who's the guy you're going to bring out? Sandman. Then you're, I mean, every time you take a guy away, you have to make another guy. Right. And then there you go. Now we got, 
I, don't, I mean, I don't even know if Sandman's up yet, but you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You got to you got to make another guy. So yeah, so Sabu at this point was he was what worldwide, Japan all the time, and mm-hmm. making as as little as as much money as he could at that at that time. Because let's be honest, there wasn't a whole lot of money he made. I don't even give a fuck what he tells you. Them FMW tours and shit like that. That whatever five thousand dollars a week and stuff like that. After you go to Japan and you transfer that yen into American dollars, you ain't getting paid but a hundred dollars a night. Right. So yeah, you can you can go there and say tell everybody you're making twenty thousand dollars a week yen. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I'm making twenty thousand dollars a week then because I, I don't even know what that means. But <laughs> I, I, I go to McDonald's and I, I pay like. What two hundred eighty five dollars for a Big Mac? Two hundred, yeah, two hundred eighty five yen for a Big Mac, and that's without a cheese. Aaron, what did you think of all these post match shenanigans? Well, um, it is slowly becoming the ECW that um, still my gimmick. We, we've been talking about like you. You can see the influence of Paul on the product. Well, we've already, we've already talked about this over and over again like now you've already seen what the exit of um what's his name uh stetson rebel yeah cairo were they on the show no no nowhere to be seen yeah and that's that's where they're that's where they're wrestling at right now the nowhere that, to be seen company that november to remember pay-per-viewer mega shower whatever we talked about like that was Paul's coming out party. You know what I mean? Good one, Aaron. Good one. Paul's coming out party. That no, was- we're not talking about what happened with the Grand Wizard. No, no. <laughs> we're not. We're not going. We're not going to the Grand Wizard. That was Paul's coming out party in the wrestling business. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is, good, good night. This is, we are really getting into ECW that we understand as being ECW. All right, Barry. I mean, for lack of, uh, like, we're going to, we're going to the 95 now. So this shit's going to get, it's going to get fucking good. Like, really fucking good. Well, I mean, I mean, just look at, look at our roster right now. We've already gotten rid of, like we already said, the Kairos, the Rebels, them guys. What I mean, almost basically, you can say the Pitbulls to a certain extent, right? We've gotten rid of so many of the uh, local guys, and you're not going to see JT like as much anymore. You're going to see, yeah. I mean, you're going to see, you're going to see guys that were they were kind of pushing as up in the main, main tier wrestlers move down the card, you know. Like, you're not going to see Jason as, as a title contender anymore. Jason's just going to become a personality and a manager. You know, things like that. Little Even even people that ta- that Paulie's going to keep aren't necessarily going to be in the same role they were in because it's time for them to move down the card because we're getting better quality talent at the top of the card. Yeah. And it's also cheaper talent. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's, that's not even... That's not even a thing you, you look at that. Like, yeah, dude, why can't I get these 
what, five to seven guys that are local guys. And they've already been established in this territory, which is, mm-hmm. I'm not saying is a big territory, but they've already been established here. Why can't we use them to get somebody else over? Exactly. You always use somebody to get somebody else over. I, I mean, I've never had a problem. Like, I've never understood that. I'll, I never will. When somebody has a problem with doing a job because they're trying to get somebody else over because they think it's going to take away from their, like, you know, for, like Jim Ross, their push. Mm-hmm. You're not getting a push. <laughs> Who said you're getting a push? You know, where was the word used at? Show me the person that said the word push. And everybody at that, at that caliber, you know, the JT Smiths, the me's, uh, I, I'll take, I'll put myself in there. What do, you, what do you think we did? We went there thinking, all right, well, I, I know I'm winning the title. I know I am. Well, and isn't it isn't it more beneficial for somebody saying, hey, let's just use your, your status on the card. Isn't it more beneficial for you if the promoter sees somebody and the fans see somebody that they really like and the promoter wants you to put them over because that guy's on his way up? Isn't it more beneficial for you to cooperate? Because if that guy gets big and the company starts making money, everybody wins. You know, well, you would think there, right? there's a reason. There's a reason that in the '80s, everybody wanted to wrestle on the card Hogan was on. You know, so that's what I'm saying. If you can build some mega stars that are going to make some money, everybody's paycheck goes up. Yeah, but we're we're talking about a whole different era now. Now we're talking about the um, these guys think that they're the stuff. I mean, this is just my opinion mm-hmm. from from watching it and being around. Is everybody thinks that they're the star? And do you think do you think that Sabu thought he was a lesser of a star mm-hmm. than Shane Douglas? Mm-mm. Do you think that? Do you think that at this point where we're at with Sandman, do you think he was a lesser star than? Sam than Shane Douglas? He's probably no. I'm just as over as that guy is. Right. So it's kind of like a catch twenty two and then you gotta deal with all them personalities, man. You know? That's gotta be a pain in the ass. That's why I just have them all do jobs in nine one one and start them all over again. <laughs> just go out to the ring, cut your spiel, bam, 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 bam. All right, thanks for coming, buddy. <laughs> Scorched I'll call, Earth. I'll call you in three months. <laughs> Scorched Earth. Start all over again. Yeah. Well, overall, guys, to close the show, what do we think? What did you think about this overall episode of ECW? I actually liked this episode of ECW. I thought it was pretty good. B plus. Yeah, I found some segments enjoyable, but the stuff that I've already seen, I just like the way they reshown it. Right? Mm-hmm. Like Nate. You, I mean, you understand what I mean? Yeah, and and that that is totally a good point. There, it used to be as we're watching the show, and this is more of Polly's influence. You used to joke recap championship wrestling because they would literally just play the video from last <laughs> and, and just show the match, <laughs> right? But now we're getting it clipped up. It's highlights. There's some narration. There's music behind it. It's a whole different presentation to recap to keep to keep you abreast of what the situation is and the stories are. You said a breast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I, I think I think that's what's what's keeping you captivated and and wanting to see like, you know, what's next. Because, you know, it's not it's not giving you anything. It's it's I mean, how do you say this? It's giving you a taste of stick around, right? 
Mm-hmm. Like, stick around. See this? It's only going to be better, you know? Right. It's only going to be better. And if you stick around, then give, give us another, I don't know, at, at each W's point, four weeks until we have our next TV taping. <laughs> until we can bring in Mike Awesome again, I guess. Is Mike Awesome on the next set of tapings? I don't think so. I don't. Th- he doesn't come back till '95, does he? Oh, I don't know. I'm I'm just mad now. <laughs> Aaron, your final thoughts about this week's episode? He don't have any thoughts. I have thoughts. I thought it was a good show, and I, like I said, I'd give it like a B plus. I enjoyed it. I mean, did I get an Archie Mitchell joke off? I don't think so. If you want to get Archie Mitchell off, that's fine. I thought I. I, I if, if I didn't get an Archie Mitchell joke off earlier, then I apologize to my fans. Because, you know, you know, my Twitter page is blowing up. Uh, it's fans of Archie Mitchell that I run. <laughs> I got 14 followers. One of them's name is Marchie Chichel. Yep. There's, <laughs> a, <laughs> there's a Mick Carchie Mitchell. It's Chachi Marshall. Yeah, I, I, I denied that one. I see what's going on here. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, speaking of Chad, follow him on Twitter at Chad Austin Demera. If you have not yet, join our Facebook group, <laughs> Reliving the Extreme. And, of course, check out Archie Mitchell and If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. And all the it's other a good shows. show, man. By the way, I, I, I listened to the last show. I mean, you, you could tell me by the, the second download <laughs> of, the, of the show. I thought, I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> the second download that popped me. Sorry, the uh, the uh, the if you smell it, the arch is cooking, and all the other shows on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network. Check them out. We appreciate your listenership, and we will see you next week, everybody. Have a great week. Reliving the Extreme is a production of Max and Out Media, all rights reserved.